Hello, stars. This is your host, G, back with another Star 47 brand podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about low magic and how to control our lower nature selves through these aspects of our hidden unconscious mind um, and to actually deal with and begin to interface with our spirit. Because the whole point of spiritual practice, at least if that's what we're going for, we call ourselves, that's what we're going for. The entire point of spiritual practice should be to gain control and mastery, right? Eventually over uh, said spirit, right? Your individual spirit. Now, on our podcast, we already understand from studying the Kabbalion that mind is all, right? This is the wisdom from uh, Hermes, right? Or Tahuti, okay? Who is a ancestor or a, you know, also a god, okay? Uh, who literally scribed all the knowledge of the cosmos into not only our DNA, but into our thoughts, all right? And they manifest into these apparitions or these thought forms and images that we call symbols, okay? These symbols can also be given different layers of energy. They can be given um, a soul, given aspects of soul, so that they can experience consciousness and life as well, okay? So, understanding that, mind is all, uh, we're going to be dealing with some shit that you can do, like, immediately uh, to begin to have results and see change in your human condition. Because ultimately, that's what the fuck this shit is about, okay? So... I'm reading to you from this a book, another Lon Milo Duquette book called Low Magic. Okay, I've read from this before, reiterating some very key points and going further. And uh, I'll also be drawing some connections and parallels with you, hopefully, to help you understand, just uh, make things more clear. So that way, if you had any doubts, or if you're still a doubting Thomas, you know. Uh, skeptic mind as you should be then you can uh begin to overcome that just as you do your your path workings okay so that's what we're dealing with so uh first thing i want to uh, touch on is that lon milo Ducat makes it very known throughout the book even on the front page that it's all in your head you just have no big no no idea how big your head is, okay? So it's all in your head. You just have no idea how big your head is. That's uh, what he's saying, and I agree with him, uh, right? Um, because, you know, these things are more so, they're so internal, but then how it can be, con- how it can be connected or realized an experience is um it's more vast than that okay so that's why the entire aspect of you know not getting so caught up in you know uh seeing nature as being something so divine and above you when the ancestors already told us that they've been studying the maps and movement of the stars for thousands of years but still upon death they would do rituals 
they would tell you certain things that you would take as superstition, but it's really because, you know, they were dealing with certain principles of energy, movement, and flow, and a mindset that was an occult mindset, okay? So that's what we're really dealing with on the podcast, all right? Uh, So this supreme intelligence, this supreme consciousness, however you visualize it, this God-like force, this, this one, this all, it is interface through your thinking through your mind okay so that's why the control of your mind is so important you're not trying to control your mind like what the hell are you really doing not doing anything actually in fact you would actually be very hard to have a good human life just off that not even doing anything magical just controlling your own thinking you know imagine how far you get in life if you threw temper tantrums just as an infant does right there's no way you can get that far in life so you have to be very mindful uh about not only the practices but about what the practices actually trying to fucking teach you okay so uh that's what we're dealing with it's an understanding of the ability to unravel the layers of all things all right can you know all things in the body perhaps but be very hard pressed to try to outlive everyone and everything in existence because things are forever changing so you know that's why universal principles and symbolism and correspondence is so powerful because it allows you to narrow shit down but this narrowing down should not be the only task that you do right so like with when we use tools like tarot and divination uh the divination Although it can be used to give you a particular mindset, there's also an actual practice or a ritual, a rite that has to be walked and performed in order to get the, the boat kind of moving. So magically is what we're talking about here, okay? Physically, sure, perhaps you can do some exercises, you know, some breathing techniques, things like that. Um, but magically, however, uh, there is an internal ritual and an internal rite which is what we're going to be talking about in this podcast, all right? So, uh, you know, let's deal with that shit real quick. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the content, all right? Make sure you follow on Anchor and uh, stay tuned for more very advanced metaphysical uh, lessons and concepts to help you in your everyday life, to realize shit and to just be better than some of the people who quote unquote thought they were better than you all right so if you need something to get back at then that let it be that okay let that be a little fuel to your fire so uh this idea of low magic as above so below as then so without right so um you could argue by doing this low magic, you actually are doing high magic. Uh, as La Milo Duquette's teacher, uh, who is a female, um, she also kind of told him the same thing when he was first getting ready to evoke or bring into the physical world around you. One of the do- the demonic uh, geniuses, because the word demon means genius, means hidden genius. So these are actually hidden genius principles. Um, one of the, on just a mundane level, one of the reasons why this would be so genius to someone who doesn't know any of this is because you didn't fucking know any of this. So just that alone 
if you didn't know this, this would sound genius to you. However, on a more truly occult level, uh, these things are actually ingenious because this is how you externalize and begin to give name very specifically to the issue or the force or the principle to which you want to deal with or as a magician would say the force that you want to conjure right force you want to wield because you're not wielding this shit just to say well that was fun you're wielding it for some kind of power some kind of result at least i would hope uh even if that result like in my case would just be to gain more knowledge and wisdom uh in this particular occult subject just as it is so they can help you with that as well okay as you will read uh about them so make sure you get a book about the goetia study the 72 demonic names right if you're too afraid to do that then perhaps this isn't the podcast for you i apologize but just understand these represent aspects of your own genius and they can be worked with and assist you in the very spiritual ties to which that you are already doing that's the whole point of this so there to assist you mentally physically psychologically emotionally right all of that all of the the elites right they're allies right okay so understand that uh but aside from that however just doing magical workings uh in general no matter how they're done um is what we're really focusing on with this podcast so the Goetia is just one example uh, or one system of magic and spiritual evocation that is used. Okay. It's the most feared because most people are afraid of demons until they actually read the information about them to learn what they really are. All right. Um, Alistair Crowley said that the 72 demons represent aspects of our uh, human brain, i.e., the subconscious mind. So these symbols are actually how we interface with our subconscious mind. The tarot symbols and uh, all of the, um, you know, the zodiac correspondences, they have influence in your psyche, in your thinking. Don't believe me? Do your homework and you'll find that the Greeks actually have an entire goddess named Psyche. Psyche was associated with Eros, the god, the god of love. All right. So your psyche. The, the mind and then love is the heart, right? So that's 47. Four is the heart, seven is the mind or the crown. These must be in harmony or balance in order to uh, be, realize what is um, a spiritual state of being, okay? That doesn't mean being nice to people because I, I know very powerful magicians who aren't nice to humans, so it's not about morality. It's a sense of realizing what is within your own heart to be special and to be pure. All right. So that's the work you should be getting to realize. No, that's really what it is about. OK, so that's one of the aspects. Um, now. Uh gonna tell y'all something fire here uh and this is actually um something that i've been working on for a long time uh however at least in this lifetime 
right? It's a bit of a more of a challenge that I can say. But I'm going to give y'all some perspective on the aspect of mind being more connected, not only to space and time, but to also just, you know, your personality, uh, you know, the characters that you're interested in, all of the above, so all of that, all that good stuff. Uh, but anyway, you know, in the, in the realm of astral projection and traveling and spirit vision, right? So as the rabbi Lamed Ben Clifford says, I'm either out of my body or out of my mind. All right. So, uh, if you ever experienced dreams of flying, you know, feeling like you just taken off and all of that, you probably had a, a experience or something close to an out of body experience or feeling of astral projection. All right. The word astral actually means star. Astral also connects to the goddess Astarte, right? Who is a goddess of the stars and fertility. All right. Also, womanhood, right? Things like that. Um, there's also Osar, who is Osiris. Osar, A U S A R, is Osiris. That's the comedic name. Or Oset, who is his consort, Isis. Oset became Isis. That's a that's a Greek name. Isis is the Greek name. Isis and Osiris are the more updated names, but the original names are Osar and Oset. Set being Lucifer, right? She was the goddess first before because that's what makes Osiris horny. She makes him feels him with this lustful, sexual rage. That's what she's supposed to fucking do, right? So, um, you know, these would be synonymous with her powers now that doesn't mean just a woman walking down the street has activated her spiritual powers because she makes people horny but what it does mean is that the the template for that is already laid and it can be built upon and the work that goes into building upon it is dealing with these symbols going into the subconscious mind doing the meditations and the astral travels and all of that all right so there are various ways to interact and to assist the very psychology um, of which that goes into, you know, the spiritual, the spiritual path, really. All right. Because uh, ultimately, that's all you have is your own thinking, your own perspective, your own thoughts. Nobody else can change them or, you know, take them away from you. Only you have them. So that's the concept of a magician is to be in complete willed control of those forces. It's harder than you fucking think. I'm not even gonna lie to you. So, uh, so look, check this out. So you must learn to navigate around this strange universe, the world that other cultures and spiritual systems might call the spirit world. Uh, so the astral body is not necessarily going anywhere or somewhere. It's not a destination. There's not like an ectoplasmic goo body of me that leaves my body and floats around my bedroom and does shit all right hollywood may portray it that way but that's not really what's happening these are more states of consciousness their vibrations they're different uh their vibratory frequencies of human consciousness as lon milo duquette said states okay 
um, and these astral beings, these things that you see, these people, these mo- who are mostly wanderers, they're uh, they're not inhabited by any spirit or soul at times or consciousness, right? Because they they have this lack of awareness. All right, the Egyptians spoke about this shit in the Book of the Dead as well. All right, so uh, so let me let me read to y'all some of this. The mind is separate from the brain. All right, the mind goes beyond this brain and it vibrates on all planes. Mind vibrates on all planes. The brain only vibrates and deals with earth and energies of earth, the chemicals, the biology of of these earthly means. But <clears throat> how did those earthly means get here? All right, right. Uh, there was an there were energetic forces, whether you want to call them, you know, particles or not. There was a invisible force that drove the particles. Right. And and would make them to decide and make a choice of wanting to become these various life forms and configurations we call nature. OK, these images. So lucid dreaming is another dimension to this mysterious phenomenon of consciousness the Egyptians took the skill of lucid dreaming pretty seriously. In fact, the ability to consciously gain control of our dream self and the circumstances of our dream environment may very well have been the cornerstone of the science of dying, whose master textbook is the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So he's low key saying what I've been feeling is why I'm so redrawn to the mastery of the astral body and the dreamscape. Because as he's telling you, the science of why you get lost when you die is because you just so used to going to sleep and waking up with no control, no, no, you know, no, no type of investigation or, or consciousness. You just are like a zombie in this world. That's why you roam the land of the dead, the spirit world, i.e. the dream world. Same shit. We talking about the same thing. This vibratory state of human consciousness even if you want to just say it's just a vibratory state of human consciousness and nothing is happening there's no connection this shit ain't manifested physically and you have the skeptic brain well i'm gonna read to you this the function and power of the mind transcends that of the physical brain okay the egyptian book of the dead is a magical text supposedly written by the god thought himself thought is tahuti which is hermes who also gives you the seven laws, which also correspond to your seven chakras. Just letting that be known. It is designed to give the newly deceased man or woman a fucking fighting chance. Not even really a guarantee. This is just a fighting chance, they tell him. Of hanging on to his or her individual consciousness center by projecting it step by step through each phase of the death experience to arrive intact at a higher level of existence. The basic idea is this. If a dying person can keep the mind focused and occupied on series of particular ideas and images while the physical body dies, the self of the individual can separate from the physical body and take up residence in the mind, which is in your, you know, your visualization or whatever it is you focus on. The preoccupied mind literally becomes an escape pod that will rescue the self. So this is remember this whole know thyself. Well, this is what your, our ancestors who wrote the book of the dead. This is how they identify with self. 
Identify this self with this spiritual mind. For, okay? And it's going to detach itself like an escape pod uh, uh, to the dying body and brain. Right? Or, uh, excuse me, rescue the self from this attachment to the dying body and brain. So your self is going to rescue at least a portion of what we would think of as our personality at death. So this idea where we could just never know and well, maybe and, you know, we we just, you know, it's just so many excuses out here. But there this this is literally the evidence, you know, telling us exactly what it is. So why do we take it as otherwise? Now, let's go a step further. Because in my humble opinion, based upon knowing, you know, my own father and him being uh, into this very information and, and, and this type, this same shit, doing the same shit, that I would choose someone of that same thought or of that same mind. Are y'all getting what I'm putting down and manifest that physically even before I could grow up to be an adult? I would have already put myself in a place to relearn this if I would think to forget it, right? Because you do forget it upon reincarnation, according to Gnostic texts, based upon getting a baby brain, which is the pineal gland. And then you got to raise your light up all over again, you know, and, and or do X, Y, Z. Not to say it's a bad thing that you're here doing this, but it's something at least to, to know and realize. OK. Uh, so that's something. Uh, to say so the Egyptian book of the dead organizes this journey of ideas and images to match the landscape and nature of each of the progressively higher levels of consciousness and requires the deceased to perfectly memorize and rehearse each leg of the trip prior to dying just like astral traveling so for my folks who up on this Ain't no coincidences, my guy. So you got to remember. This just makes sense. So the science of studying the spiritual body, the dream body is also helping you at. They, there's no coincidence. They say sleep is the cousin of death. The cousin, which means it's connected in a family. If we're talking a family, we're talking mythology or we're talking archetypes of gods. Morpheus was the god of the dream world. That's where you get the matrix, this title term, Maya, which is the illusion. Okay? Maya and mother comes from illusion. It's also where you get matter. And everyone wants to matter. Everyone's trying, everyone here is trying to matter in some type of way. Whether it's to your family, friends, you know, principals. Uh, that you stand on You, you want to matter for something Okay So this is An ancient or cosmic Force Right So look Every level is guarded by a gatekeeper Who must be identified by name And forced to allow the deceased to pass Even the furniture has names That must be carefully memorized And identified with constant chatter 
everything that can be done to bolster the deceased's confidence and keep their mind minutely focused on anything but the temptation of allowing oneself to dissolve like the untrained into the sweet oblivion of death. So you really truly only experience death if you're ignorant. That's what they're telling you. So truthfully, you could argue maybe that uh, if you know this spiritual astral traveling science, that you have the ability to transcend it or at least bring your consciousness with you to that world, you know, because you've had practice. Uh, and I myself have had practice and I'm just getting a little bit better, you know, a little bit more sharper. So there's always room for improvement. Um, you know, um, I think this is one of the closely in hidden guarded secrets of the occult science that's not really being said. Because it's so slick and so subtle because you'll just miss it. Nah, I'm just going to sleep. Nah, I got to wake up and go to work and all of this shit. But it's really something slick. It should be a training. And then, of course, once you master that, there's other things to do as well. But it's just to get you in that mindset, of course, that this is something to take into consideration. And a skill, at least, that when it's time, you know what the fuck to do. Right? <laughs> So that's something that to be said in itself for people who are still frightful, uh, you know, of dealing with these aspects of this mind self that we have and we share. OK, so just something to think about. This is straight from the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Even the furniture has names that must be carefully memorized and identify the constant chatter. So in this other book that I have by Dennings and Phillips about astral projection, I love this book. It's a beautiful looking book. It's, the artwork is awesome, too. But they talk about how before you take your trip in the astral world, the whole goal of the book is to get to a fully willed conscious projection, fully willed and conscious. So you conscious and fully willed the whole time. It's hard as fuck. Not going to lie. Uh, most of us stay in a waking state. So this is the ability to go under at will all right and to project at will right this has been my lifelong goal for a very long time i get so close i'm ha i'm on the verge of a breakthrough so we could perhaps accomplish this one together if y'all just if you just a uh, adept master at astral traveling you can go at will then please show me the technique teach me some techniques uh so no that's something to be said no you can message me star 47 brand at gmail.com but until then though um you know i'm gonna uh keep sharing some more things with you so uh you know the ability and the 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 fright that goes into projection that's what i want to talk about because this is low magic and we're talking about a lower self and a lot of our lower self deals with the the nature and the aspects of fear okay so uh we're trying to abolish that in any way form shape or possible so look check this out so uh something to take note of Once you get to the point of being close to the projection, you will feel this like electrical buzzing or like a current is loud as fuck. It sounds sometimes like locusts are coming. Think about this. 
Locusts exist in the book of Revelations. So if you didn't know that, there would be a revelation that was revealed to you, i.e. occult knowledge. All right. Therefore, you know, that's awesome. You know, that's something that's very powerful for you. But locusts have been described as coming or the sound of locusts during an astral body or out of body projection. Also, DMT. Why is this very important? When people take DMT and experience what's called an out of body experience because they took a psychedelic drug, they experience what most people would have just done through astral traveling. In fact, when you read the book, he had people who are experienced astral travelers and they got a lot more information out of their experience with DMT versus someone who didn't have any mystical training and was just, like he said, untrained. So you die and go to this world, uh, you know, on the DMT or in the the melanin of the pineal, basically, neuromelanin, whatever you want to call it, you know, melatonin at the very least. So it's something, it's this dark substance. You go into the world of set, the world of all set, your astral traveling, right? Or Isis traveling, your Osiris traveling into Bethlehem or Betelham, Betelgeuse. The Betelgeuse is the jewel of the gods. This energy just came and unlocked in the cosmos. That's why so many, so many people have been on it. It's no coincidence. No, these are correspondences. In fact, if you read, if you read about the stars and certain occult philosophies and manuscripts, Betelgeuse is mentioned among certain comets. There are comets and, and, and actually comets that are mentioned in Zodiac as well. People don't think about that shit. The Zodiac also mentions certain comets and asteroids that have rulership in connection to the Zodiac outside of our own galaxy or our own solar system, excuse me. So that's some shit when you think about it. A rock? Come on, yo. So that's 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 what this is. That's why I love Gnosticism and the Gnostic thought. It it, it gives you that next layer. It's like, well, okay, well, I got the the nature part, but what what else, you know? That's that's it. The spiritual aspect, the true spiritual aspect. All right. You're dealing with that which is unseen. Right. And and you're going there, though, with the conscious mind still intact. So the ability to go into the subconscious mind with the thoughts that you do regular is a very powerful tool because now you don't have to wait to try to decode it and all of this you experience it and then you can manipulate it so it becomes a little different it's slick and it's subtle but very fucking powerful i will i will say very powerful when done with a loving intent okay so uh on most occasions, my out-of-body experiences begin with a conscious effort on my part and within the context of a dream in progress. I become conscious within the dream state that I am dreaming it already out. So listen, Denning and Phillips make it very clear that that's not it. They said, no, that's not the goal. The goal is a fully conscious and willed projection. And they speak about how difficult it is, but that's really what I think what I believe now is one of the aspects of the great work. 
that's what I truly am getting to beginning to realize is one of the most important aspects of what is known as the great work. All right. But, you know, uh, it's really it's it's to each our own and it's a it's a stepping stone, you know. Uh, so most of most of my projections, however, are those in which I found myself accidentally out wandering only a few yards away from my snoring body. And this is the story of one such adventure. Uh, you know, so he tells about how he was seeing these things on the astral plane. Uh, you know, basically, uh, So look, they live, so look, he's talking about our emotions, our thoughts, desires, and emotions are constantly in the process of creating and discarding them. The course of the agonies and ecstasies of this roller coaster ride we call life. So we always do this every day. If you have this concept clearly in mind, I now put you to you the idea that all these discarded bodies, so these thoughts we have bodies and they live on for a time in the same way a decaying corpse and his hair and fingernails, bacteria and DNA live on in physical bodies buried in our neighborhood cemeteries. The only difference being these astral corpses remain somewhat animated for a period of time while the remaining energy still residually resident in their shell completely decays. And like discarded shells or husks, these astral zombies are made of the heaviest stratum, the lowest and lowest frequencies of energy. They sink to the very lowest levels of the sea of consciousness, the area that is very close to the material plane. It is the border between dream and waking consciousness. It is quite literally an astral graveyard. When we tire, and relax, we fall asleep fast and ride an express elevator directly to some pretty high levels of consciousness. Those who environs are revealed in the metaphoric imagery as the dream sky into which we blissfully soar. But if something is burdening our minds and forcing us to slowly drag our sorry astral consciousness, kicking and streaming out, screaming out of our physical body and step by step back up the stairs of consciousness, then the first place we slug through on our way up is the lowest place in the upland of the graveyard. The dramatic terrors and ordeals that candidates of ancient mystery stools were required to undergo during their initiation ceremonies illustrated this frightening yet ultimately harmless fact of spiritual life because this area is so close to the material plane and the soul coordinates of waking space-time consciousness. The bodies that populate the cemetery of your threshold are literally those that are hanging around your neighborhood. That is why so many of these bad dream experiences seem to include situations dealing with your neighborhood bad people who to all dream appearances are attempting to violate you, your home, your body or your loved ones. In nine out of 10, my terror of the threshold projections, I find myself trying to chase away neighborhood vandals. Get this and please forgive my politically incorrect subconscious mind. Or deranged homeless people who are attempting to get in my home. Or like a monster, right? But in the metaphoric reality of this plane of consciousness, that is exactly what they are. Homeless bodies who are no longer animated by a living self. Drifting in obedience to the laws of cosmic oasis or osmosis toward a realm, which is my house. The realm is my house or your house. 
which is inhabited by an abundance of livings. These astral zombies mean no harm. They mean nothing because there is no self inside to provide them with intent. So they have no no self or they mean no harm because they have no intention. You get what I'm saying? So, but boy, they scare the living daylights out of you when you stumble into their world. A moment ago, I mentioned that I'm not very good at consciously entering into an out-of-body experience. I think I should probably rephrase that to say I'm not very good at consciously leaving my body unless I forced first gorged myself to near unconsciousness on my wife's spinach or broccoli quiche so think about this so he's double talking low-key but maybe he just forgot but because he came back and said it truthfully but you know first he said i'm not that good at astral traveling then he said oh no i actually am a good at astral traveling once i eat my my wife's uh quiche which is his favorite meal and he eating so fucking much, like, because he loves it. It's just so good that he eats a lot. And he's damn near unconscious and passed out. And that's how he's astral traveling successfully out of body with control. Very interesting. So I believe personally, because his body is so heavy, it's like the body is so physically heavy with food that you can easily with your mind form this separation and feel lighter than air. Or lighter than a feather, right? Your heart must be lighter than a feather, so to speak. Your intention, right, uh, is to float. Like uh, it, the clown. It says, Georgie, you want your boat? The boat would symbolize your vehicle or your astral body. Down here, we all float, Georgie. Down here, we all float. Then he eat the little kid. The little kid symbolizes the pineal gland. The clown symbolizes the subconscious mind in the underworld and the sewer where all the nasty, dark, scary, spooky, weird shit exists. Right? You need to get that symbol and fuck with it. That shit powerful. Trust. If you know what you're doing, then that's game right there. It, the clown, is fucking powerful. I remember as a kid, that shit used to terrify me. I wasn't really even afraid of clowns till I seen that movie. Did they always weird me out because of that face paint? Absolutely, but you know, you know, it wasn't that scary till I seen that movie as a kid. All right, so very powerful in the human psyche. These updated symbols of our modern era, but the understanding metaphysics and the occult principle behind it, right, of what it represents. Okay, that that playfulness, that childlike playfulness, because at the end, all the kids came together and they had to face him to defeat him. Right. They had to defeat this monster or this trauma because they all the kids went through trauma, but they faced it and they defeated it. They studied, they read books and they used knowledge to overcome this alien or this foreign thing. It's only alien because it was hidden to you. You never seen no shit like that. So I had to read about it. You're like, what the fuck is you trying to figure out? What is my soul? What is my spirit? What is my chakras? Right? But you're facing it is the point. So by facing it, it's going to reveal itself to you. It has no choice but to. But you can force it is what the magician is saying. These are aspects of forcing it to do so by willing it with magic. And that's the advanced science. All right? So instead of being like, man, fuck, uh, I don't, I'll wait till I feel like this again or all that shit, you force the issue, so to speak, with magical will. And then knowing the name, you can evoke the spirit to physical 
manifestation. But you can also do this using the astral body and visualizing the spirit connecting to you and becoming the spirit as opposed to it being something outside. Mind is all, right? Everything is know thyself. This is an aspect of self. Right? These forms. You could take the form of anything. So why not take the form of said entity that you're dealing with? Or at least let your astral body take that form. Just makes sense to me. Okay? Another hidden secret. So. Uh... No, my altering substances also work the same way to induce this out-of-body like experience but you can will it and then come back to your consciousness and walk back inside of the body okay so uh he fills himself with this with this food and it's it is any wonder that a weak-willed and insecure glutton such as myself succumbs to the demons of intemperance whenever I'm confronted with an entire spinach or broccoli, broccoli quiche during a quiet dinner for two in the privacy of my own home. Right? So all of this judgment we have on ourselves. I can't eat, uh, you know, uh, certain things or you got to be a vegan to be spiritual. You don't have to do that. Uh, you know, this is an aspect of putting the mind in a zone of comfortability to do a working with focus all right so you got to do it with little tricks and little little like nudges little little things that you know just kind of get you there like music or dancing or whatever you know he he speaks of all of these situations but it's supposed to be used to excite you enough to get relaxed to get in the zone to then lay down or sit down to do a meditation or do the actual astral working all right just dancing you might as well just go to a club right so that's really what it's talking about this is the difference between a magician and the the fanboys that be out there you know don't be a fucking fanboy this is the real deal all right some shit just works i'm gonna just keep it on 100 other sh shits take longer but some shit just work instantly hard to explain you just gotta see what's up and, and try the experimentations okay uh so uh sleep apnea was actually helpful to him because he would wake constantly wake and toss and turn during this REM state or during this state and now he can have the ability to go into it now this part that he goes into is something i experience all the time and it's quite frightening it's very much so like experiencing a night of terror it literally is feel it feels like death but you're not dead you just know you can't move sleep paralysis and in company with that as you're out of the body i make like a noise like a yell and it's so frightening because like the feeling of like so sudden because it just happens so suddenly at times. It doesn't happen all the time. Like I said, this is when it's unwilled. So that's why the goal is to be able to will this. All right. 
The goal is to be able to will this. So, uh, we dealing with that. Uh, and then, basically, you know, uh, it's just like you literally feel as if you are stuck. But that's the time and the moment to actually, uh, you know, capitalize on the astral projection and to visualize yourself in the double or in the astral body, you know. And you can use the the uh, feeling of the you know, eating your favorite foods to soothe that emotion, of, you know, at the very least, it makes your body very heavy. So, you know, not to encourage overeating, but it's just, you know, obviously it's something that was in the moment or, you know, something that he uses. You know, or maybe he doesn't have to eat a lot, you know, but it's just, he likes it. So it makes him, his mind relax, so to speak, to do a projection. Uh... But yeah. So you know you're out of body when you feel a thrilling sensation in the pit of your stomach, heart, throat, or the back of the neck, all the chakra areas. You know? uh, if you are lucid at this moment, you can fly or do the most amazing, anything you can imagine. Ironically, the most difficult thing you can do when you find yourself in this wonderful state is to actually think of something fun and productive to do. So plan ahead. So the idea of constantly planning ahead. Like the Egyptians say, knowing the names and all the shit you're going to do so you can form it and make it so, right? So when forward or upward movement in a dream becomes difficult or impossible to continue, for example, you're walking down a dream's high walk, walking upstairs, driving or riding down a road, and you suddenly find your legs are too heavy to move or the car or bike breaks down. This indicates that you're moving from a lower or slower vibratory state into a higher, more subtle uh, vibratory level, one that your big, fat dream vehicle can't enter. If you're lucid at this moment, you can stop walking or riding or driving and will yourself to fly forward, leaving your grosser body behind. So, obviously, the, the concept of will takes... Uh, it, it takes skill. So, uh, actually, let me tell y'all what the will is. So, the will, uh, the will in Greek, uh, will in Greek actually corresponds to your, to wish or a purpose. All right. So, I got to find my purpose. I got to know my purpose. All right. This would be an occult purpose. No doubt. So that's why it's not for everybody because it's hidden to most people based upon you hearing this shit and thinking it's fantasy or it's just it's just not beneficial at all. It's minuscule. It means nothing. There's no way it can help me, uh, you know, but this is to help you on, so to speak, like the back end. Right. It's astral. Right. It's before the physical. OK. Before the physical or beyond the physical will right uh, so when you hear strange noises bells rappings horns hissing thunders all type of weird noises clicking and shit you know buzzing in your ear as you are falling asleep that's what this is talking about when you encounter terrors of the threshold encounters of his hideous beings occurs most often for one reason or another when you skip the dream transition or are roughly thrust from waking consciousness to an obe 
These are seldom pleasant experiences. I encounter these things when I've had too much to eat and try to sleep it off. I roll in and out of an uncomfortable consciousness. I actually think I'm getting up, uh, up or out of bed, but instead I walk into the lowest regions of the astral plane. And as we learned, they can be a pretty rough neighborhood. Um, then he gives a warning. Don't eat or drink in dreams, especially with dead people. Greek mythology talks of the waters of forgetfulness that lured the thirsty newly dead who once they've had a little sip fall into a slumber in which all memory of their past life dissolves. That's actually talking about, uh, you know, some it's a certain chemical in the brain that, you know, triggers this thinking apparatus that we have, you know, makes us forget. But it's also talking about pineal gland yet again, upon incarnation. So this is a very real phenomenon of the astral plane. If you want to remember your experiences, do not eat or drink anything in an out-of-body experience. Oh, why are you in the astral world? They telling don't eat or drink, according to the Greeks. It says especially do not eat or drink anything offered to you by someone who you believe to be a person who has passed away, even a friend or loved one. You may be biting off more than you intend to true. So think about this, what he's saying. Think about this. This is talking about when you die. So when you die, you like, oh, there's my fucking my niece and my nephew. I'm about to eat and drink with them and kick it. Why they telling you that? Think about this. Y'all not really dealing with this shit for real. And that's evident. But this is Lamai Little Cat's book, Low Match. This is true occult science. And I didn't realize how obvious it was actually here. But being on a different thought form, you know, doing some alchemy, some inner workings, I see clear. Because I wouldn't have known what that fucking meant. It, it, or at least the magnitude of that until now. But it's saying even a friend or loved one, you may be biting off more than you intend to chew. The waters of forgetfulness is a new human body. So in the concept, in the concept of even they're saying dreaming in a regular life, we have to be careful. But this is our Egyptians said that this is science for when you die as well. So that would apply there. So what am I supposed to do? Would beg the question if that's not the case. So that's where the work of you as the, the scientist, the star 47 will come into play. So that's where you go study. I'm not telling you. That's not uh, that's not what invocation is about. All right. Ask me no questions and I'll tell you no lies. Queenie Shobo. All right. Uh, so boom, boom, boom. More notes. Uh, there can be no outside of the mind, no outside of ourselves. Does the mind explain everything? Theoretically, I say yes, but I would be the biggest liar in the universe if I were to give even the slightest suggestion I am firmly in touch with that level of consciousness where everything is explained to me. So that's why people get confused. That's an act of the ego, wanting to know everything. That's not what this is. This is not dealing with that. All right, this is something else. And that's one of the reasons I find magic is so fascinating and at times so unexplainable. 
One does not need to understand every little detail of the inner workings of a computer in order to install and operate a complex program. So too, the magician does not need to objectively understand every detail of the inner workings of the infinite mind in order to operate the system. I do feel, however, that in this day and age, it is wise to give credit where credit is due and woe to the sanity of the modern practitioner who would have others believe that he or she has guiltfully concerned the market on um, understanding magical powers. I reiterate this because I am about to share two stories about magical operations I've done for the benefit of others. Such efforts were not considered carefully threatened to challenge my it's all in my head field theory. After all, if the only thing I can change with magic is, is myself, then how can I seemingly help others with my magical endeavors? Do I think that I am ultimately responsible for all the good and evil in the world? I must confess, I am not always clear on my own answers to those questions. But there is one thing upon which I am clear. Every bit of information that reaches the receptors of my senses and is processed by my brain, every myth I hear, every historical event I read about, every news story I watch, every book I read, every person I meet, object, idea I found, taste, uh, touch, emotion, fear, along I encounter, everything changes me and becomes a living component of my conscious and subconscious reality. I'm inextricably linked to everything that enters my realm of consciousness, and I am 100% responsible for how I process, react, and respond to it. I might appear to the casual observer that my magic affects changes in the outside world, but ultimately, my outside world is one and the same as my inside world. If my magic does indeed bring about some desired change. It merely proves to me that somehow in some way I have succeeded in transforming myself into the kind of person to whom such things happen. In the spring of 2002, I received an email from Ezreal, a rabbi, all right, living on the East Coast who wrote that he was familiar with my work and felt confident I could magically help him resolve a serious problem. In his first note, he did not describe his problem or what he wanted me to do. He said he wanted to simply introduce himself and provide me with personal information, which he begged I would verify and keep confidential. This included his full name, address, personal titles, his educational degrees, and all of that shit. He was an Orthodox Jew. He closed by restating his sincerity that he was willing to fly me to the East Coast to pay his expenses and while there, award him whatever fee he may charge for this kind of black magic working. All right. As you might imagine, I regularly receive letters and emails from some colorful and pretty disturbed individuals. I also receive those from people asking me to curse enemies, repel psychic attacks, expel demons and extract embedded extraterrestrials or other shit. Right. Based all type of shit. So a bunch of weirdos who don't know nothing about this trying to ask them to do stuff. But this guy was different because uh, he was willing to do whatever it took because he let him know. Uh, that even if he could help him by making, you know, his uh, his nephew or whatever get pregnant or excuse me, his niece get pregnant or whatever, uh, then, uh, you know, he would have serious psychological repercussions from that because anything that would go wrong in the child's life, he would automatically associate it with it being from this demonic magic because he asked them specifically to conjure up a demon in the Goetia to help make Sarah pregnant he was like no bro I ain't doing that All right? but he said so he told him like if you do that no we do that then you're gonna have to deal with that shit your whole life and he was like I'm willing to go down that road and Lamala Duquette said the only reason he did it is because that's the hallmark of a true magician his fearlessness 
but also foolishness. You get what I mean? That's that's profound wisdom right there. I had to admire the depth of this man's resolve. Such fearlessness and focus may characterize a fool, but is also the mark of a natural magician. I was beginning to realize Ezra has set into motion the magical forces that would make Sarah pregnant and that my participation had already become in his mind a factor in the equation. So his mind technically was already made up. So that's the that's the interesting part about these phenomena. That's why you must study to to get your perspective because my perspective is my own and how I see this. So get your own perspective on it. It's very interesting. Um, he didn't use the Goetia or any demon, however. He used the Chinese book of changes called the I Ching. Okay? Oh, the I Ching. I, I'm not hip on the I Ching. I'm going to have to study that. So, something to do. Okay? So, he used the Chinese book of I Ching. He didn't summon a demon, even though that's what the rabbi, this Jewish Orthodox Jew rabbi, asked him to summon the Goetia. Right? He was that desperate. So, that's pretty fire, if you ask me. Um... So, long story short, the shit happened. Sarah got pregnant. But they had to figure out the mental blockage in their relationship that was causing them to not be able to conceive a child at the time. And it was just, the dude was being too rough. Sounds very petty and minuscule, but motherfuckers act like they ain't going through that shit every day. So, you know, that's just what it is. But why, why it seemed... If this was nothing, why the fuck would our ancestors have been doing so much ritual and magic behind it and not just approaching it by some human means or using our human thought to do it? That's a very interesting thing to, to, to ponder. Why the fuck didn't they just go see a doctor and get inseminated? Why go through such lengths of magic? You know, that's what that's what you got to ask yourself. If you exhausted all other forms of possibility in a human and your last result is magic, perhaps that's different, but I'm just saying in the concept of Lon doing any of this for anybody, why go through such extents, right? Why would this be necessary at all for anything? You know, it's just that's just something to think about. It's, you know, of the not only the approach, but just what's happening. So uh, he also did an exorcist at a high school with Sister Martha. Sister Martha, or Martha, uh, he said um, the firm conviction that all schools are haunted, especially high schools, which even under the most ideal circumstances are seething swamps of chaotic sexual energy created by decades of confused and tormented adolescents. Hell, I still haunt the halls of my old high school and junior high. Facts, I do too. In dreams and nightmares, I find myself running late to a class, unable to remember the time of day or room number. Sometimes I find myself climbing the stairs or trapped somehow between the walls of unremembered hallways. High schools are ghost traps, even for the living. Think about that for a second. So these are how you get trapped in dimensions. We just talked about these astral corpses and shells, and, you know, your thought forms and things like that, your sexual desires, all these things food source for the demiurge one but these are how they get trapped to be fed off of for an eternity because your thoughts have no limit to a time so they can exist forever you know it'll be a more sadder reality existing with trauma and experience from from our personal life in the astral world for eternity and there's nothing you can do about it because 
imagine how you ever felt a real dream and how feel, real dreams can feel. Imagine being stuck in that shit for a lifetime and it feeling like a lifetime. And so it's a different type of understanding when you start dealing with this shit. Your fear of shit is different. No, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just something to deal, think about um, as you astral travel and begin to project. Hope y'all have a great time. This has been a short one, straight to the point. Um, you know, peace starts.